Hey, Pastor Stephen here. Welcome to the Abundant Springs podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check us out online at AbundantSprings.Church. And now, on to this week's message. Well, here we are. Christmas is just around the corner. Now, most of us are, are familiar with the story of Christmas, and, and around this room, as I, as I look around here, I know most of us understand that the Christmas story is not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, it's, it's not The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, though, in my opinion, that is a phenomenal movie. They could just do without the rest and just have that one, and I'd be happy. You know, but most of us are familiar with the real Christmas story, the story of Jesus's birth. And, and Matthew, in his account of Jesus's life, uh, he describes it this way. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to marry, to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly but after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name jesus because he will save his people from their sins All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, perhaps more common to read than this is the story in Luke where we read about the manger scene and the stable and all of that. But, but this is Matthew's way of telling us about the birth of Jesus. But what many don't realize, and I don't know if some of you didn't realize this before uh, this series that started three weeks ago, but this is not how the story begins. The story doesn't begin with this scene that we just read here where Matthew describes the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Instead, it begins with Jesus' family tree. Now, I don't know about you, but my preference would not be for any book of the Bible to start with a genealogy, personally. You know, it's kind of like going back to, I don't know if you remember back in the, the 80s and, and before when you'd go to the movie theater and you'd have to sit there for about five minutes while some slow song played and they just put one person's name after another person's name after another person's name up and you're just going like, get me to the movie, right? And, but in many ways, that's, a, that's what Matthew does here. He, he's like, hey, you know what? We're going to roll some credits before we get to Jesus. We're going to show you where Jesus came from. But the interesting thing is, is, is he doesn't do this on accident. He, he doesn't say, you know what, we're going to show some of the, the people that Jesus descended from at the beginning of the book just because I don't know where else to put this. He did it for a purpose. But the fact is, and we've discovered this, that a lot of the people in this list are kind of messy characters. They got a lot of problems. They're, they're, they're like your Aunt Edna or whoever it may be, you know, who has a bit of a drinking problem or maybe has some inappropriate humor. And so you, you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's, that's Aunt Edna. I don't want anyone to know about her. I don't have an Aunt Edna. That's why I picked that name. If I've offended you because you have an Aunt Edna or if you're online and you are Aunt Edna, I'm really sorry. Um, I wasn't talking about you. 
unless that described you perfectly, then it might be you and we can have a conversation later. All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, the last three weeks we've talked about some of Jesus's ancestors and, and the stories about how we know them from the first part of the Bible. But the surprising fact that, that I think all of us come to the conclusion of as we look at these people is that Jesus's family tree is full of all kinds of people. Right? It's full of all kinds of people. Now, you'd expect someone like Jesus would have just the cream of the crop. Like, if the Bible says that they're an amazing person and says absolutely nothing bad about them, that's the person that you'd expect to be in Jesus' family tree. Right? Like, let's, let's just build this guy up. And there are some normal people there. But we also find prophets who struggle with trust. We find kings with family issues, severe family issues. And we find prostitutes who are accepted despite their shame. And yet all of them are used by God to accomplish something powerful, something life-changing, world-changing, something that's celebrated all around the world every year on Christmas Day, on Easter, on every Sunday, and every moment of every day by Christians from every nationality. Savior of the world came to the world through people like these. Heavenly Father, I ask today that as we wrap up this series on Christmas, that you will make yourself known to us, that you'll show us the significance of your birth, and that you'll show us who we are and who we're called to be because of you. So Lord, I ask that you'll take these feeble human words that I'm about to speak and that you'll make them something worthwhile through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as I alluded to just a, a couple of minutes ago, I believe that there is an actual reason why Matthew put this genealogy at the front of his book, why he ran the credits early. In fact, I believe there's two reasons. And the first is this that Jesus came to bring life to sinners. He wanted to show that. He wanted to show right up front, Jesus brings life to sinners. That's why he came. Because see, anybody from the Jewish culture who would have been reading this genealogy, they wouldn't have had to go back to their Old Testament scriptures to know all the things that are written there about these individuals as they came across their names. They would just realize that these are people that are significant and that these are people that they've read all kinds of stories about and it's led to this point we've seen that jesus came to bring new life to sinners in the lives of abraham and david and rahab they weren't perfect they weren't perfect but they're used for god's purposes and they're counted as righteous by god why we've already established it's not because they're great people because they believed and at the end of the day they trusted in god and sought to follow him the apostle paul shared the reason why jesus was born in his letter to the roman church we see this in romans chapter 5 when we were utterly helpless how many of us have felt utterly helpless from time to time when we were utterly helpless christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners he goes on, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us 
while we were still sinners. What that means is, is while we were still pushing God away, while we were still throwing everything in his face, God said, I love you and I'm coming to save you. And Christ paid the ultimate price for us, though we hadn't shown him any good faith to start. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. We're going to skip down here to the next verse. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Listen to this. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. I'm going, to, I'm going to read that again because it is just so profound. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Listen, it's really cool that God decided to come to earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and be born in a little manger. It's a really neat story. But you know how much that story means if that was the end of the story? Nothing. It would just mean that God got bored and decided to be born for some reason as a little baby in a manger. Yay. Big deal. But that baby came because of Adam's sin. Because God's creation was stuck in a cycle of sin and death and helplessness and condemnation we're told that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting, what? Life. Jesus came to bring life. Matthew puts right up at the front there. Look at these people. They're not perfect. And they led to Jesus and Jesus brings us life. The second thing is this. Matthew puts this genealogy at the front to show us that Jesus offers new life not only to a select race, but to all who believe no matter who they may be. 
As you read the New Testament in the Bible, that's the the part of the Bible that's written after Jesus' death and resurrection, what you will find is that there was a struggle going on in the early church trying to figure out its identity. Are we just another sect of Judaism that believes that Jesus is our Messiah and therefore is all of Judaism something that we're under? Is this something that's really just for Jewish people or is this something for everyone? for the Gentiles as well, for non-Jewish people. And Matthew enters into this conversation and he puts right up at the front something that would have stood glaringly obvious in the face of anyone from a Jewish upbringing. He throws us a couple little treats. Yeah, that Messiah, here's some of his ancestors. Rahab. We talked about Rahab last week. Rahab wasn't a Jew. In fact, Rahab was a prostitute from an enemy nation that they were about to conquer. Ruth, a Moabite woman with a a messy family history. You know, these Jewish people, Naomi and her husband, their kids, they, they leave their country of origin. They leave Judea because there's a famine. They go to Moab and her kids get married And then one by one, you know, there's Ruth, this Moabite girl. She watches her father-in-law die. She watches her brother-in-law die. She watches her husband die. And her mother-in-law decides to move back home and tells her and her sister-in-law just to go back to their mother's place, go back to Moab. And instead, Ruth says, no, I'm committed to you and I'm committed to your God. And God honors her. God blesses her. See, Rahab and Ruth, both these women were people of low standing, especially from the Jewish point of view. One was a prostitute from an enemy nation and the other was a poor widow from likewise an enemy nation. And yet both of these women were accepted by God. Both of these women were instrumental in the birth of Jesus. And in fact, these women were not only accepted by God, but they were actually accepted as equals to every other person who believes in Christ. They're elevated. Their status is elevated. They're no longer people to be looked down upon, but they're people to be celebrated. You know, some people like to claim that they're really special, especially I've found in, in churches. You know, there's some people, they like to run around and, and carry ter- you know, uh, titles like, I- I'm, I'm apostle so-and-so, right? We, we run around and we try to say this person's more spiritual than this person or this person ha- has, has more spiritual standing than this other person or we try to puff ourselves up. We try to make ourselves feel good. And in the process, we look down on other people. I've got to share a story that's, that's not my story, but uh, Craig Groeschel, he's an author and pastor of, uh, of, of Life Church in the States, one of the, the largest churches in the States. And he tells this story frequently about his early years as a pastor. And when he was first getting started, he, he did some pulpit supply. And what that means is somebody's pastor is away or they don't have a pastor. And so you come in to fill the pulpit. And as he came to this one small congregation, 
everyone was really excited and they came into the, uh, to where he was getting ready and, and, and practicing his sermon and, and he was told, listen, like, you know, first service was good, but we just got a phone call. There's someone new coming to our second service. So you got to really make sure you do a really good job, pastor. You got to do a great job because we finally have someone new coming to our church. And so he was really interested to see what would happen here. So he, he went out in front of the, the church. They had a, a little patio area, kind of like we do, and that's where they would oftentimes greet people. And so he was there with this, uh, you know, this head usher, guy that was on the board, suit, tie, all of that. That was the culture of, the, of this church. And Craig Rochelle puts it, he, he, he could tell right away, as soon as this woman drove into the church parking lot, he knew that this was the new person because she drove in a beat-up old station wagon. And as she got out looking flustered, balancing her two kids in her arms with a, a short skirt and a, a tattered top and a disheveled hair, he just knew this is, this, is, this is the person. And as she walked up to the stairs, he took a glance at this usher whose face was beet red. And as the woman came up, the guy looked at her and went, excuse me, young lady, is that your best? Because here at our church, we dress our best for the Lord. And that woman turned around and got back in her car and drove away. And I know that may seem like an extreme example. But every one of us is capable of things like that every single day of elevating ourselves beyond someone else. Maybe it's because that person smells like pot or alcohol or whatever it may be. Maybe it's because they, they seem a little off their rocker. I don't know what it is. But our natural inclination is to look down upon, and yet that's not the example that we're given by Jesus it's not the example that is set even in this genealogy as people that would traditionally be looked down upon were elevated to equal standing. All of us, all Christians are important to God. All people are important to God. And the Spirit of God elevates us all to an equal standing. Paul wrote to the Christians in Colossae, put on your new nature. Say that with me, new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where that other person comes from. Christ is all that matters. He is the great leveler. And so, friend, if you're here today and you're struggling with feeling unaccepted, you're struggling with feeling unvalued, know today that you matter to Jesus. And that if your Christian brother or sister looks down upon you, it's not because of you, but it's actually a fault in them. That they haven't recognized that our world's way of judging people and valuing people does not stand in the new life that we receive from Christ. He gave his life for each person in this room and each person in our community. And he's calling us all to more, to be better, 
to no longer operate on, on the culture standards of value or ethics or morality. Instead, we're to be something new. Fact is, we're no longer our own. Scripture says we've been bought with a price. Following Jesus means we have a new identity, a new way of living predicated on taking on ourselves the identity of Jesus, that babe in a manger in all of our living. Paul continues on. He says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make, ev- make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Listen, no matter what you do, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are to live as a representative of Jesus. And I know for myself, times where I lose sight of that fact and I live in such a way that I recognize that I didn't represent Jesus well. But the fact is, is that everywhere we go, we represent him. Every person we talk to, we represent them. The great truth of the gospel is no matter who you are, Jesus loves you and he wants you to place your trust in him. And when you do that, he will forgive you by grace through faith in him. But the truth of the gospel is he's calling us also to more. He's calling us to greater. He's calling us to different. He's calling us to himself. To seek to do the good things that we were created us to do. He calls us to build on the foundation of the gospel. The gospel is that good news of Jesus that was laid down before us. We have to understand, and we we so often forget about this, right, is that there are rewards being built up for us in heaven day by day. Christ said he goes to prepare a place for us, and, and he's preparing us for that place. That's what life is about, is preparing us so that we're ready to receive what he has for us. But not only that, but the things that we do here on earth, when we do them from right motives for Christ, we're building up rewards in heaven. How often do we do what we believe Jesus is calling us to do for the wrong reasons? To get a pat on the back, to check a box, to feel good about ourselves? Or how often do we try to do the bare minimum? You know, the best question I ever get as a pastor is, so if I do this, it's a sin. But if I just do this, it's not? That's the wrong question. It's not about how close to the line we can walk. It's about how can we serve Christ. See, Jesus went above and beyond for us. God humbled himself as a little babe. 
And he endured everything that we endure through life and more. As a perfectly innocent person, allowed himself to be tortured and killed brutally on a cross. I don't know about you, but that's not the way that I envision my life going. And yet he did it willingly for you and for me. And out of that, he calls us to live in an entirely new way. Here's the sobering truth. While we're saved by faith, Scripture says our works will be tested. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. And now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Listen to that, very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. In other words, works for God that seem big and important and strong and valuable or works that are little and small and almost seem worthless. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Listen to this. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Never forget that. Salvation is by faith. The builder will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames... Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? What's this saying? It's saying, can we stop living the bare minimum? Can can we stop saying, oh, Jesus requires so much of me and I I prefer just to to know that I'm safe and saved and it's all good. And and it's true. If you believe in Jesus with with all your heart, you are safe, you're saved, it's all good. But I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be the guy that goes to heaven in his spiritual birthday suit with a little hut to live in. We're talking eternity. I want to live as Christ has called me to live so that I can reap a great reward. What did Paul say? He said that he beats his body into submission like a great athlete, like a boxer, like a a runner, and he keeps on running the race with endurance so that he can receive the prize at the end. He's not going to give up. He's not going to let go. He's not going to say it's too hard for me now because the fact of the matter is, is that on the line that is all of eternity, our now is just a little blip. But that blip impacts how we live eternity. What that means is that the things that we do here today matter. The things you do tomorrow matter. But the great news of the gospel is is that when you trip and fall on your face, Jesus picks you up again and says, it's all right, I got you. We'll go through this together. We'll keep going together. And so take heart, friends. You're you're loved. This Christmas, remember, you are loved. That is the reason we have Christmas is because the God in heaven loves you and came to be with you. We're all equals in God's sight. But also take heed because God has called us to follow Jesus and his example. And he has called us to live out the new identity that we've been given. 
So here's the thing, with a new year fast approaching, what will you choose? Will you choose to continue living as you have been or to live out this new life in Christ? I'm going to invite the music team back up here today as we get ready to close. Will you continue living as you have been or will you, con- will you choose to live out this new life in Christ? Will you choose to show your community that you believe what you believe from your heart? And that Jesus truly is the one who transforms lives. Friends, this Christmas season, why not commit to make Jesus a bigger part of all that you do in 2020? I don't know what that looks like for each one of us. Each one of us is going to look different. Some of us, it might be that that we're going to carve out a little bit of time so that we can spend some time reading our Bible and praying. Just like you heard about in Sunday school when you were a kid, if you grew up in church. Some of us, it might be that we're going to prioritize connecting with other Christians throughout the week or on Sunday or whatever it may be. Some of us, it's going to be that we choose to truly live out the joy of the Lord in our everyday life. I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but, but will you commit to make this next year a year where you truly say, Jesus, you're in charge. You're the bigger part, and I want to live for you you all bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm just going to ask Debbie to, to just uh, play something softly on the keyboard there. All around this room, as we talk about Christmas, we talk about what Jesus did today, and I, I know that, that we got pretty deep on today's message, but there might be someone in this room here today or online, and you're hearing this message about the grace of God and, and what he calls us to, what he's done for us how he loves you and you're saying right now in your heart, I, I, I want to follow this Jesus. I believe in him. I, I, I want what he is giving. Then right now, I'm just going to invite you online or here in this room to pray a prayer with me. And I, will everyone here, will you just all pray this prayer with me? And if you pray this prayer from your heart today, know that you're giving your life to Jesus. But we're going to pray this prayer and just commit our lives to him today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you love me. And you sent your son to die for me. And Jesus rose again. Give me your new life. Give me wholeness. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose to live for you, to place my trust in you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. No one looking around right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer today and gave your life to Jesus, said, I, I want to follow Jesus, will you just raise your hand so I can see who you are? With nobody looking around here today. If you're online, you can go ahead and just send us a message in Facebook Messenger. We'll be sure to follow up with you. We believe that, that church community is essential for this relationship that we have with Jesus. We need people who can surround us, who can support us, who can help guide us, who can answer questions and support us. And so we want to make sure that we can get resources in your hands, partner you with someone that can help show you next steps of faith. So make sure that you follow up with us if you 
gave your life to the Lord here today because we want to get in touch with you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, will you just move in our hearts today and help us to honor you with all that we have. Lord God, fill us today. Show us what it is that you have for us in the coming year. What, what it is that, what change you want us to make. How we, can we celebrate the Christmas season and the and New Year's in a way that honors you? Thank you, Lord. Right now, um, as the music team just gets ready to, to play in a moment here, We've talked a lot about Jesus, which is fitting because it's church. But today, as, as we get ready to, to go on our way and, and as we get ready to celebrate Christmas this week, I think it's fitting that we finish our time here together, not only by singing about Jesus' love for us, God's love for us, but, but also in a physical remembrance of the purpose of Jesus' birth, which is his death and resurrection. So as Christians, we have something that we do together where we take a a little cup and we take some bread and we partake of something called the Lord's Supper together. And what this is, is it's a physical representation of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, which was broken and poured out for us on the cross at Calvary. Why? To pay the price for all that we've done wrong. Christ's death and resurrection that provides our forgiveness and that new life that we talked about here this morning. And so today, I don't know if Hayden, you mind passing out the communion elements? Pretty easy, you just carry them around to people, so yeah. But as he, as he does that, I'm just going to pray real quick and hold on to those as they come by. And we're going to sing this song together. Just ask God to really show you those areas in your life that he wants you to begin to, to do new But Lord God, today, I just ask that you will bless these elements. Lord God, that you will bless them, that you will bless those that partake in them. And that you will remind us this Christmas season that we are not alone, that we are worthwhile, worthwhile enough where you had us in your mind when you went to the cross. Help this Christmas season to be a joyous one. One where we are renewed and where we know that we're accepted, Lord. So bless us today as we partake in Jesus' name.